Good morning, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys. Thanks, John. Hey, stand with me and we'll get started. My name's Pastor Rick. Welcome to the Packing House. We're going to start the service by reading a little out of Psalm 80. And I want to point out that communion has been set up around the sanctuary. Believer, at any time, please partake of communion. Jesus passed it around that we would take it and remember what he had done for us. Died. He rose again for us. So, a little out of Psalm 80. Give ear to my, excuse me, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Stir up your strength and come and save us. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine and we shall be saved. Let's pray. Lord, cause your face to shine upon us. Thank you, God, for your grace. Lord, thank you for this place that we can come and, and, and worship you in, Lord, to learn from you, God. We just ask that your Holy Spirit would fill this place. In Jesus' name, all of God's kids agreed by saying amen. Turn around and say hello to one another. God bless you.
sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. That's why I trust Him. That's why I trust Him. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord. And he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust him. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. That's why I trust him. That's why I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail. He will never fail. And I trust in God, my Savior. I sought the Lord, and I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. I sought the Lord, and He heard, and He answered. That's why I trust Him. That's why I trust in God. Father, we can sing those words and believe those words, Lord, that we can trust in you, Lord, that we seek you, Lord, and you are faithful to answer, Lord. This morning, Lord, as we seek you through this time of worship and the study of your word, I pray that you would be glorified, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. Free us of any distractions that we may face that we brought in this morning, Lord. Help us to be able to set this time aside for you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. He didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is. The name of of this world. We speak your name. 
Jesus over our families. We speak the name of Jesus over this place. Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, you are my king. Say it out. Jesus, you are my king. Jesus, you Amen. Let's take a moment this morning to welcome our good friend, Mr. Danny Donnelly. Good morning. How's everybody doing? and follow you Jesus I just look up in the starry sky there's oh so many oh so bright and I know you're thinking of me I think of all the sand upon the shore a billion trillion how can I ignore a love for all even a man top speed I trip and fall but then you catch me oh dust myself off head for the prize I'm longing for the days your eyes meet mine Jesus I just look up in the starry sky there's oh so many oh so bright and I know that sand upon the shore a billion trillion how can I ignore a love for all and even a man like me 
even a man like me You see everything Have the faith of a child, yeah. Lord. I'm running to win, running to win. Just have the faith of a child. Lord, help me have the faith of a child. You see everything, everything. Even a man like me. You see everything. Every tongue confess that you're the one true, the first and last. Still, I in my panic almost flip the boat, and there your sweet dreaming eyes close. Jesus, oh, I just look up in the starry sky. There's oh so many, oh so bright. All that sand upon the shore, a billion trillion, how can I ignore a love for all, and even a man like me, you see everything, everything, even a man like me, you see everything. Songs called You Looked My Way. I remember when you looked at me, nothing else mattered. I remember when I looked at you, my heart was shattered. 
nothing mattered, no nothing, cause you looked my way, you looked my way, you looked my way. heaven above, no need for my ladder, the grace in your smile makes all worries scatter, now nothing matters, my soul pitter patters, no fear of disaster, cause you looked my way, you looked my way. looked my way, today you looked my way, you looked my way, oh you looked my way, oh you don't just flatter, my heart's pumping faster, Makes me want to turn up my Stratocaster. Man, nothing matters. Oh, cause you looked my way. You looked my way. You looked my way. Thank you. Who is it? Hi, my name is Daniel. I'm with the Packman House Christian Fellowship. And we're doing a program where we give the free Jesus video DVD to everyone in Brennan's. Here's yours. Thank you. God bless you. My favorite color is light tan. Mi color favorito es bronzadio suave. My favorite animal is puppies. 
Mi animal favorito son peritos. And I love to serve the Lord in hiking and playing volleyball. Me gusta servir el Señor y senderísimo y jugar volleyball. By the way, those are all my favorite things too. If you'd like to serve in the Spanish translation ministry, contact me or the front desk upstairs. Thank you guys so much for the food donations. This is your last weekend to donate food for the Thanksgiving baskets. Ooh, I love me some Bush's baked beans. Junior high and high school, you are dismissed to go meet your teachers in the lobby. If it's your first time here, don't worry, your student will meet you back in the lobby after service. I'd also like to point out that there are offering boxes set up around the sanctuary and in the lobby. If you're watching online, you can use the online giving option. Now, let's quiet our hearts and go into a time of prayer before Pastor Ed brings the message. Let's pray together, church. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day, this beautiful day that you have poured out before us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your mercies, which are new every morning. Lord, we, we lift up our, our brothers and sisters in Israel, Lord. We just ask, Lord, that you would comfort them. Would you be with them, Father, in their time of need? And Father, help us to be reminded that what the enemy intended for evil you will turn to good. For we know that all things work together for good, for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Lord, as we look ahead to a time of thanksgiving, Lord, we ask that you would give us a boldness and a love to share with our family and friends, our coworkers, people who will be surrounded by. Help us to tell them of your love and of your goodness. And Lord, as Pastor Ed comes forth to bring your word, we ask once again, Father, that you would fill us with overflowing, that we may go out and share your word and your love with this world that so desperately needs you, Father. We love you, Father, and we ask all those things today, and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Michael. Thanks, Jonathan. That was beautiful. If you wouldn't mind grabbing your Bibles and standing, if you can. We are in the book of Acts, chapter 8, starting in verse 18. Dr. Luke writes, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me, or literally sell me, this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, that perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray, to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken of may come upon me. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, 
saying, Arise, and go to the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. How exciting. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And when the spirit then said, Philip, go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran. Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And in his humiliation, justice was taken away. And he who declares his generation for this life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Philip, saying, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? And Philip opened his mouth. And beginning at the scriptures, preach Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water. Wait a minute, they're in the desert. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And the answer said, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Wow. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found in Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities until he came to Caesarea. What an amazing story. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this historic event that you recorded for us. Come and send your spirit to teach us that we might grow in our understanding of what it means to have divine appointments and what it means to lead others to your throne of grace. Teach us now, we ask in Jesus' name and all of God's children agreed by saying, amen. amen. You may be seated, please. So this is... Uh, one of my favorite New Testament stories. I love it. It reminds me of a true story from the Old South. Uh, a Jewish lady by the name of Helen Rosenberg many years ago was stranded in a Georgia town. Uh, it was a fashionable southern resort, uh, but uh, it was the 1930s. And uh, they did not admit Jews to the hotel. So she's looking for a place to stay. And she walked into the nicest hotel, and uh, the clerk looked at her and then looked at his book and said, sorry, no room. The hotel is full. Jewish lady said, but your sign outside says that you have vacancies. The guy turned red. He's embarrassed. He said, you know that we don't admit Jews. Now, if you will try the other side of town, she stiffened and she said, uh, I have you know that I'm a Christian Jew. I believe in Jesus. 
and the desk clerk looked at her kind of askew and said, well, uh, let me test you just a little bit. How was Jesus born? Where? And, he, and she said, well, he was born to a virgin named Mary in a little town called Bethlehem. He said, good, go on. And she said, well, uh, he was born into a manger. He said, well, why a manger? And she said, because a small-minded person like you in the hotel wouldn't give a Jewish lady a room. (laughs) And he gave her a room. (laughs) So we're breaking into this gospel story that we've been traveling along through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the introduction to the Christian church in the world. I got started. Jesus told his disciples to wait there in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit came in chapter 1. The Holy Spirit came in chapter 2. Peter spoke. 3,000 people got saved. So 120 people were added to 3,000 people. Suddenly the church is a mega church in one sermon. Happens again. 2,000 more added. There's more than 5,000 believers. And the church is growing. Well, uh, that always causes problems because people are vying for different places and how to get along in church with other people. And so this uh, led to uh, the widows that were being given a daily uh, amount of food by the church were complaining. The widows that spoke Greek, Jews, they were Jewish, who spoke Greek, complained uh, that the widows that spoke Hebrew that were Jews were getting more and there was prejudice going on and so the apostles said we're not going to wait on tables but we'll appoint seven men and seven men were chosen to take care of these widows so it was a humbling task they were they were just waiting tables basically handing out food but these seven men turned out to be uh, real jewels and we saw Stephen uh, who was preaching in the streets and got arrested and stood before their Supreme Court, sentenced to death. And he was stoned to death. And then we were introduced to a second one of the seven, and it's this man, Philip, that we just read about. Now, this is not Philip the Apostle that we read about in the Gospels. This is one of the deacons, one of those who had been waiting on tables. But he turns out to be a real jewel, too. And he follows what Jesus said. He said, stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, and then you will be my witnesses in Judea, which is kind of like the county around Jerusalem, and then Samaria, the next one north, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, Jews were prejudiced against Samaritans, and Samaritans were prejudiced against Jews. They didn't like each other. And uh, I went through that a couple of weeks ago. If you want to understand the story, I won't take the time to go through it today all over again. Uh, But he travels north to the city of Samaria, and the gospel is well received. And word gets back to Jerusalem to the apostles that the Samaritans were being saved. And so two of them go up, and uh, it's Peter and John, And that's kind of interesting because John was the one who wanted to call fire down from heaven, if you remember, in Luke chapter 9, because the Samaritans wouldn't give Jesus and his disciples a place to stay. But now suddenly, several years later, God sends him to the place he was prejudiced against. 
And God is always working in our lives to remove those things that were installed subconsciously or consciously in our families so that because he's trying to reach the whole earth, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. He has a desire for everyone to be saved. And so if you find yourself struggling with some sort of prejudice, just confess it as sin and say, God, change me. It's wrong. Help me. I, I need to be like you. I need to see people as people and reach out to them. So that's what one of the apostles, John, is going through. He's with Peter. They go to Samaria. And um, God has set the whole thing up. Now, what I want you to see is that your life and my life is supposed to be missional. It's supposed to be a mission. We are missionaries, all of us, because Jesus said, Mark 16, 15, go into all the earth and preach the gospel, make disciples. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a foreign country. This is just like the next county. And it might be the person that you work with. It might be a member of your family, like on Thanksgiving coming up. It might be just someone that you are an acquaintance with, but that you and I have an opportunity to let our light shine, to put it in Sunday school lesson concepts, and draw people towards Christ. And maybe you give them a book, maybe you just mention Jesus, maybe you offer to pray with them when they're going through a difficult time. But that's one part of the story. You are a missionary. Second part of the story is God makes these God incidences. They're not coincidences in a believer's life. You think, well, wasn't that interesting? I met this person or this thing happened. No, no, for a believer, those are God incidences, divine appointments. And there's one of the premier divine appointments in the whole Bible here in this story. Don't miss that God goes to tremendous trouble to move people around to get them into the right place to touch one black man on his way back to Africa, North Africa. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, you're a whosoever, I'm a whosoever. It doesn't really matter where we grew up what our skin color is, what prejudices we came with, God's breaking them down. And this is a beautiful story of that. The first black convert in Africa. And God goes to a great deal of trouble for one man. Because he is the God who leaves the 99 in a safe place to go and get the one sheep that's wandering off. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I was that one sheep at one time, and probably many of you were. And there may be some this morning that are the one sheep that's been wandering. And the Holy Spirit has arranged things to bring you here this morning. You're in the right place, no question about it. And uh, you're going to hear about this amazing story of this man who receives Christ. It breaks up into three parts here, Simon 18 through 25. He's the first one, and he turns out to be a, a recovering sorcerer, if you will. He's a magician, and, and he's into occult practices. And, uh, and he, in the, in the early part of this chapter, he actually asked God to forgive his sons. The second one, Philip, 28 through 30, is this deacon we talked about, and he's the one who's left Jerusalem to go north, 
into Samaria. And he puts his prejudices aside and goes to a place to preach the gospel. And he's very successful at it. And then the third one is this eunuch. And he turns out to be a very powerful man in the kingdom of Ethiopia. He is, in fact, the treasurer, the secretary of the treasury, we might call him today. So that's where we're going. Jump in, fasten your seat belts, we'll go a little fast. Verse 18. Now when Simon saw, this is the recovering drug pusher, the sorcerer. Now when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He said, wow, that's a neat trick. Now, he's called a sorcerer a magi, which is the same word that we get the three, or the magis that came to Bethlehem. We don't know how many came. But uh, it has a connotation of uh, pharmakia, which is the Greek word, where we get the word pharmacy from. And we talked about that last time. So uh, he wants to get this, this, what a neat trick. You give, you pray for people, you lay hands on them, and they get saved, and they do miraculous things. No religious custom. No tradition, no rite, R-I-T-E, will give any person salvation. You, you can't go to church enough. You can't convince God by how many prayers you do. You can't read so many chapters and God says, okay, okay, I'll let you in. No, it's a gift. God offers the gift. You and I must accept the gift. So that's the setup for this. So he's trying to give money. Now, this is the first person to try and buy a position or power in the church. And so we have an English word called simony, S-I-M-O-N-Y that came from this man. He, he got tagged with it. So everybody reads about this man for the last 2,000 years. The dictionary definition, buying or selling a position or a privilege in a denominational church. So people still mistakenly say that blessings can be bought by giving money. God is not impressed with money. That doesn't mean that once we're saved, we want to be involved in what Good things are happening, but you don't buy anything from God. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you. <laughs> this is a nice translation. It really is, may you and your money burn in hell, is literally what it says. <sighs> okay, so he's not happy. Because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither, verse 21, neither uh, pass, part, excuse me, or portion in this matter for your heart is not right in the sight of the Lord it's always about our heart it's always about what's going on in here do we care about people do we care about reaching people or are we looking for some power some possession if you're interested in doing a God work and I hope you all are there or will become that way God tells us that you have to be two things you have to be thirsty, what? Thirsty for spiritual things. And you have to be broke. You have to realize that you don't own anything spiritually. It, it's from Isaiah 55, verse 1. He said, Ho, oh, wait, everyone who thirsts, let him come to the waters. 
the waters of spiritual life, the Holy Spirit. Let him come to the waters, and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So, you got to be broke. you got to recognize that you don't have anything. It's the same thing Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, which is the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. People who recognize they don't have anything spiritually on their own. When you recognize you're bankrupt spiritually, then you've got the first thing that's needed in place. And then secondly, you have to be thirsty. You have to want to know something about God. You have an interest in the Bible? Praise God. That's a sure sign that the Holy Spirit is working in your life. So uh, maybe you've come this morning maybe a little reluctantly, because you really don't have anything to offer to God. Well, I hope I just set that aside, because you're exactly the person he's looking for. If you don't have anything to give to him, he goes, hey, that's the first requirement. Now, verse 22, repent, he says to this man, which is the key. Turn around. Go the other way. You had a thought, it was wrong, change it. Have a change of mind. Metanoia is the Greek word. We spent some time on that three weeks ago. Go back and listen to it online if you want to. But it's to think differently after thinking things through. You have a change of mind, change of heart inside. So consider thinking again. That's really what this word means. So that's why Jesus said in Matthew 4, 17, from that time Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's something that Jesus was saying all the time. Turn around, think again. Second Timothy 2.25. God perhaps will grant them repentance. It's a gift from God. This, I need to change my mind and heart about this subject. Repent. So we don't know if Simon actually did. There's a lot of historical records about Simon Magus, they, they call his name, and it, it doesn't look good, um, but it is the only entry point into a relationship with God. That's how you begin a relationship with God. God, please forgive my sins. 23, for I see that you are poisoned with bitterness and bound with iniquity. Poisoned with bitterness tells me that Simon was not forgiving people from his past. What? Doesn't say anything about forgiveness, Pastor. What are you talking about? Well, the book of Hebrews says that when we don't forgive someone, a root of bitterness grows down into our heart and ensnares our heart. So that means I have to forgive people. And my immediately, immediately I think, but they don't deserve it. And you're absolutely right. They usually don't. But that's not one of the prerequisites. Jesus said we forgive people because we have been forgiven much. When you don't forgive someone, it's like drinking poison and waiting for them to die. How's that working out for you? It doesn't work. Struggling to forgive Here's a, a little parable I stumbled on about two uh, hermit believers that were uh, walking to go help a, a fellow hermit down the road a long ways to bring in some crops. 
And it's a long walk, and they're walking along, and there's a, a river that they come to, and they start to cross it, and they look over to the side, and there's a little old lady there, and she's sitting on a rock, and she's weeping, and one of them goes over and says, uh, what's wrong, ma'am? And she says, oh, I have to get to the other side. My, my sister is sick, and, but I, I can't swim, and I can't get through the river. And so he said, well, what if my friend and I carry you? Well, how will you do that? Well, well we'll lock hands like this together and, and you can sit on our hands and we'll carry you across. And she says, oh, okay. And so he tells the other hermit, he comes over reluctantly and, and, they, and she sits down and, and they carry her across, but she's heavy and they're both staggering. <laughs> but they make it to the other side and uh, she thanks them profusely and leaves. Well, they start walking down the road again and the first hermit says to the second hermit, said, man, look, I'm a mess. I'm all dirty and muddy from helping that lady. And now my back hurts. I think I threw out my saccharilliac. You know. and, and the other one doesn't say anything. They just walk. He walks another few miles, and the second one says, oh, my goodness, i got to lay down. I think I'm going to die. And he's laying on his back, and he looks at his buddy, and buddy's real quiet. And he says, well, why aren't you complaining? Doesn't your back hurt? What's wrong with you? And he said, well... You're the problem. I sat that lady down five miles back. You're still trying to carry her. Mm, had any of those lately? Where you are thinking, well, forgiving others isn't an option. We have to do it. Now, this is an opportune time to mention this. We're going into Thanksgiving, right? And so we're going to be around people that have had opportunities in their life to insult us, hurt our feelings, whatever. Only people you care about can hurt your feelings. And so there's Uncle George and Aunt Sally and that, I'm sorry, did I hit? <laughs> Somebody looked, <laughs> you know my uncle? No. He's, he's going to be there Thursday. And so it'll be your opportunity to put this into practice that in fact, you have to forgive them. But I don't really like Aunt Sally. Of course you don't. You're a human. <laughs> we all have to fight with those prejudices. Forgiving others is not an option. Then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you spoke, it sure is quiet in here, have you noticed? None of the things which you have spoken comes upon me. We can't tell if Simon's repenting or not. It's what goes on in your heart. So, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord there, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel, the good news, in many villages of the Samaritans. So they worked their way back down to Jerusalem by telling the good news. So that's Simon. Now we go to Philip. Philip, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. What? An angel shows up? It doesn't say the angel. So it's not like Michael or, or the archangel or Gabriel or anybody like that. This is um, Fred. This, this is Fred the angel. Uh, uh, just an angel. But he spoke to Philip. An angel of God came and spoke to Philip. Why does he get a special visit by an angel? Because he's in Samaria and it's going good. People are getting saved. He thinks, this is my ministry. I'm going to build a church here and we'll just stay here. But the angel says, arise and go, which is the first hint that this is a mission. Go means a change of location for you and for me. It might be across the street, 
but it does mean I'm going to have to move somewhere. He said, go, arise towards the south. Notice he doesn't say where. Along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So we have a, uh, a Philistine city, Gaza. We know about it. It's in the news almost every day for the last month and a half. And uh, he's on the road to go down to Gaza. Now, this is, uh, we missed the maps, guys. Would you, sorry, back up to the maps so I can, okay. So you see Samaria, or Sychar, or Samaria, almost right in the middle of of that map. And then you'll see Jericho and then Jerusalem. So the angel says to him up in Samaria, you have to go down through Jerusalem, down to Gaza, which is right there on the Mediterranean. Now it's 40 miles from Samaria to Jerusalem and it's 62 miles from Jerusalem down to Gaza. You have 102 miles to go on foot. This is a long, serious walk. And then he adds that little statement at the end, this is desert. (laughs) Oh, this is not going to be fun. So how would you do if God asked you? I have a job for you to do in 29 palms, but you have to walk. Or maybe Baker. You ever been to Baker? There's a city that is like, wow, in the middle of nowhere. It's about 100 miles. Nowhere. A walk. So, very dry area. Would you complain? Walk? I would be tempted to. Lord, send me a limo. Obedience is the key here. So what does Gaza look like? We have this shot. Thank you, guys. Uh, of This is Gaza in the late 1800s. And uh, it was a Philistine city all the way back in the book of Judges. And here are the uh, British in 1946 taking over Gaza. They'd driven out the Turks in World War II. This is what Gaza's beaches looked like at least a couple of months ago. It's a beautiful spot. There's the harbor, uh, and so Gaza was a, a main harbor. And so this is where he's going. But he's not, it doesn't say go to Gaza. It says you go along this road. And so he starts because go is the first step to missions. When you get there, there's a second step to missions, and that is open your mouth. You got to talk, speak. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen. Now, Candace isn't her first name. That's a title like Pharaoh of Egypt. So she's the queen. It does tell us she's a queen mother that evidently her husband died and that her sons, if she has them, aren't old enough to take the throne. So this is a woman leading the country. Yay, ladies. Uh, who had charge of all the treasury. This eunuch is the treasurer. And he had come to Jerusalem uh, to worship. He wants to know God. He wants to meet God. But there's a problem because he's physically a eunuch. He cannot become a Jew. It's just the reality. Deuteronomy 23, Leviticus 21, 20. So, He wants to know God, but he can't get there because he can't even get onto the Temple Mount because he's honest. But he's coming back 
So he had probably prayed out in the city somewhere, or maybe on Mount of Olives, verse 28, and was returning. And he's sitting in his chariot, and he's reading a scroll of Isaiah the prophet. Now, maybe he purchased a copy of the scroll because he's a wealthy man, but it's 66 chapters, the second longest book in the Old Testament. And if you visit Israel and go to the, some, I see some here who have been with us there, you can see a scroll of Isaiah rolled out in the museum. And it's 27 feet long. And it's vellum, it's, it's made from animal skins, all smooth. And it's hand copied, every single letter is done by a scribe that we read about in the Gospels. So he has his own copy and he is reading it, we'll see in a moment, and he's come from worshiping God. He is a God worshiper, even though he's not a Jew. And he was returning, 28 sitting in his chariot, and it's a big chariot, and it's not alone. Uh, it's like the Magi, when they came to Bethlehem, they didn't come by themselves on three camels like our Christmas card show. They came in a whole entourage, they came to a caravanzera, it says, in Dr. Luke's version of the gospel, that they came into Bethlehem and there was a place for animals there. And it comes from the word caravan. caravan. And if you travel, go, to the, go on the footsteps of Paul, like across Turkey, every 24 miles, there's a caravanzera. This, it's like a halfway house. It's like an inn. And down below, the camels stay. Up above, the people stay. And, uh, and so he's with an entourage. He's probably got guards. There's probably a guard standing next to him with a spear. And, uh, and so Philip uh, has a problem. Verse 29, the Holy Spirit says to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. I'm, I'm going to run up to the treasury secretary of Ethiopia with the guy with the big sword? Yeah, go run. Now, <laughs> so um, this could get you killed. And so Philip ran. I love Philip. This guy is going for it. He is all in. His whole life is like this as, as you get to know him a little bit. He has a passion to serve God. So he's the kind of guy that says, well, I'm, I'm going to try it. I may as well do it with all my might. Or don't bother to do it at all. I want to be all in. I, I, I need to do this. It, it sounds like a, a song you've probably heard on Christian radio by Matthew West. And uh, he calls this song, The Motions. Let me read you a couple lines from it. Because I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to go one more day without your all-consuming passion inside of me. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything instead of just going through the motions? That's Philip, and that's the way you and I, we only get to go around once in life, right? The beer commercial is right. That's the only thing it's right about, but that's right. You get one life, I get one shot at life. And if what this book says, what we're studying, that you're here to come to know God and become a servant for him, then it would be time well spent. 
to become as good at that as you can be. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. You're all here. That's why you're here. Come on, pastor. Tell us what this is saying. So that's what it means to really follow God. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow him. That you do what you're doing, but you do it expecting opportunities to come. To go to somebody and open your mouth. Well, I don't know the Bible well enough. You're in the right place. That's what we do. We study the Bible every week. And you'll find, if, if you're here just visiting for the first time, that it'll work its way into your heart. And your faith will grow because that's what the Bible promises. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So it's happening to you right now, even if you're a resistant atheist. We're glad you're here, by the way. Uh, the first time I came to church, I was a flaming atheist. Didn't want anything to do with God. I came to take shots at the pastor. And boy, I just had all the answers. <laughs> mm, maybe not. That's why I'm here. But I, I went to church with my wife. I know, I know. It was her birthday. What do you want for your birthday? I want to go church with you. Oh, that's a great joke. What do you really want to do? He said a question. There's actually five questions here. First one, Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He could hear him because people on that day when they read, they read out loud. We know now that you, your retention's better if you don't actually say the words out loud. But it was difficult to read, print small, difficult passages, and he's reading out loud. And so Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? That's a great way to start a conversation in a coffee shop with somebody. They're reading away or they're on their iPhone texting or something. Do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> and he said, how can I? Unless someone guides me. I love to see people sitting in a coffee shop reading the Bible. Because I go right over to them. Do you understand what you're reading? Hey, that's what Philip said. Yeah, well, I don't understand. How can I understand unless you guide me? And Philip said, come up. And, and he sat with him. So it was a big chariot. Had room for the eunuch, the driver, maybe a, a soldier too. And now Philip. Can you imagine sitting down in a chariot going across a Roman road? They're just rocks stuck together without any concrete. And so he's <laughs> sitting down in the chariot. I'm sorry, I, that stuff just appears in my mind. I can't help myself. Verse 32. The place in the scripture was what she was reading was, don't miss this, Isaiah 53, verse 7 and 8. Now there's another good section of Isaiah in chapter 9. But this is the premier two verses about Jesus being the suffering servant and dying for your sins and mine. What a coincidence. What a God incidence. Philip had to leave Samaria 102 miles away at just the right time for the eunuch to get in his chariot and be riding along with this new scroll. And he's read all the way up to chapter 53 and he gets to verse 7 and 8, just as uh, Philip runs up beside him. This is a God incidence. This is the kind you have in your life, and you think, well, isn't that a coincidence? No, it's not. This is a God setup. God cares for this one man from Ethiopia so much because he's searching. 
And God sends his servant 102 miles to arrive at just the right time of the day when he reaches this first. Isn't that amazing? This is an awesome miracle. And Philip, verse 35, opens his mouth and begin at this scripture and preach Jesus to him. Philip was prepared. He understood who Jesus was. And, and, the, and he just tells him exactly what it is that Isaiah the prophet prophesied 700 years before this moment and before Jesus died. His life was taken from the earth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. Why God the Son was put on a cross, naked in front of the whole world and died this ignoble death. And he didn't open his mouth. And so that's where Philip takes off from and he explains the work and the person of Jesus Christ. Well, what did he say? It's not recorded but Philip was in Jerusalem. He saw Jesus. He knew Jesus. So here's what I think the conversation went like. Philip said, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. He, he's from Nazareth and he comes down and he's actually God's son. And there was these 10 lepers that walked up. We were, I was walking beside him. 10 lepers show up and everybody backs away, unclean, unclean. And he walks over and touches all 10 of them. They're all healed instantly. I saw with my own eyes. And then we went to this village of Nain and there was this woman who had lost her son and her son's on a funeral buyer. And there's this whole crowd coming out of the city of Nain. And Jesus walks up and puts his hand on the kid. He's dead. And he pops up. In fact, nobody would ask Jesus to come to their funerals anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so he's describing all these things that he saw with his own eyes. As they went down, check this out, another, wow, what a lucky thing. Now as they went down the road, verse 36, they came to some water. Now wait a minute. I've been on this road 20 times. I know that road that goes down to Gaza. There isn't any water. It's the Nengev. It's the northern part of the entire desert that covers the peninsula of Egypt, the Sinai Peninsula. It's the top end of it. There isn't any water, except on this day, because God is the God of the impossible. What's impossible in your life? Not for God. So see the water. And the eunuch says, hey, See, here's water. Philip says, okay. What hinders me? What prevents me from being baptized? He wants to be baptized. Who knows it's a special moment? He knows something's going on with God. Philip said, if you believe with your heart, it's always a heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. There's a, a bulletproof theology that Jesus is God. That's what he said. Before Abraham was, I am. I've always been there. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, just as if you'd never sinned before, rightness before God. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, and confession is made unto salvation. Say it with your mouth. 38. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And the word means to submerge, baptismal, repeatedly, to immerse, submerge somebody. So there's enough water there. This is not a little tiny, you know, rain drops that filled up a crack in the road. No, no, they're, they're both in it. Now, <laughs> this is crazy. Verse 39. When they come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. The Greek word is harpizo. It's only used two other times in the Bible. It's in 1 Thessalonians 4.14. It says in the, that we will all be caught up. And it's translated in Latin to be rapture. It's where the idea of the rapture comes from. So I, I don't know how this works. I just know that Philip was caught away, suddenly gone. Now imagine that. You're at the next baptism up at the Yucaipa Lakes or over at the Drazen Center. And um, Pastor Greg is baptizing you. And he prays and puts you under the water and you come up and suddenly he's gone. And you'll find out he's uh, 20 miles away. He shows up in Yukaipa because Yukaipa needs the work. That's a joke, okay. Pastor Gray, Pastor Gray is gone suddenly. So that's what happened to this unit. It blew his mind, as you would expect. And the eunuch saw him no more. So he went on his way rejoicing, dancing, happy, excited. He saw a miracle, he experienced a miracle, and he realized that God loved him and put him in this circumstance, an impossible circumstance. But Philip, crazy, Philip is found in the Zotus. Now this is Ashdod, another of the five Philistine cities in Gaza. It is, in fact, a port today. It's the busiest port in Israel. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful spot. And then he preached all the way north up through Haifa, and he got to Caesarea. Caesarea is, this is Caesarea Maritime, not Caesarea Philippi. Uh, this is a shot of it. It's a terrible place to have to go, you can see. And when Philip got there, he said, this is for me. And we'll find later that he's in Acts uh, 21, living there. So he went on this trip, brings this guy to the Lord, preaches throughout Samaria, and he gets to Caesarea and he meets a lady, falls in love, and they have daughters that are prophetesses. We'll read when we get to uh, Acts 21, verse 8 and 9, if you want to look ahead. So, the treasure, fascinating to me, the word treasure or treasure is the word Gaza. So Gaza is going down to treasure and he's going from treasure to become the treasurer of the, see anyway, you can follow that through. 
So what happened when he got to Ethiopia? Well, Ethiopia today is a decidedly Christian nation. It has uh, held for a long time that the monarchy can be traced all the way back to the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South and uh, that she was impregnated by Solomon, and you can go, you know, Google this and, uh, and read all about it. We don't know if it's true. We just know it's the tradition of Ethiopia. But there is an interesting thing that's left from Ethiopia. That is the, the seal of, the, uh, of Holly Selassie, the emperor, last emperor of, of Ethiopia. And uh, there's a cross. There's Holly looking pretty sniffy. Uh, he actually died in 74, and, uh, but he also claimed to be the great, 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 great grandson of Solomon. But he was baptized a Christian because of an Ethiopian eunuch that met Philip on a road. So it, when we were in Israel last time, there was a baptism going on when we got to the Jordan River that, that we actually wanted to go to. Next slide, please. And, uh, and these are Coptic Ethiopian pastors. And they were there for a baptism. Now, I'm thinking I need a robe like that, you know. But they were baptizing Ethiopians in Israel. Why? Because they know their history. And the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized while in Israel. So there's the full circle, early East African missions, um, this man, and then we know that Matthew came and brought uh, a, another apostle with them and, and down to the fourth century, and we can trace it all the way back. So um, I want to close, Whew, sorry, with uh, Paul Meyer's story. Some of you may know Paul. He actually lived here in Redlands for a while. Uh, he was the host on a radio program called The Haven the Rest, and uh, 600 or more radio stations really around the world. But how he got saved is an interesting picture to me. Um, he went into a church in San Diego on Christmas Eve, and he was drunk and all disheveled, and the church threw him out. And uh, so he wrote, I turned my steps wearily back towards my flea bag hotel room. I've been drinking heavily for weeks. My mind was tortured by the thoughts of my wife and four children that I had recently deserted. Just yesterday, it seemed, I'd been a radio executive managing the two largest radio stations in L.A. The home we had in Beverly Hills, cars, servants, we had it all. The things that money and social position can provide. Now it's just a memory. I dragged my family down with me until we were living in a little hovel, and then I deserted them. I had suffered a total nervous breakdown, completely lost my voice for a year and a half, and not been able to speak one word aloud. Each effort to talk was just a whisper. The future had no promise. I opened the door to my hotel room, flung myself into a chair in utter despair. My gaze fell upon a, a book. And I went over and I picked it up, and it was a Gideon Bible. Distracted in a sort of way, I picked it up, opened it, and started to read. Old, old familiar words. 
Words leaped out of those pages. Learned as a child, words of life, quick and powerful. A few hours later, I fell to my knees and laid the Bible open on the chair. I prayed and made a vow that I would not leave that hotel room even if I died of starvation, until I knew that my sins had been forgiven, until I knew that I had passed from death into life. Within a few minutes, a surge of joy suddenly jolted me to tears. And I realized that God's promise that I had been reading were for people even like me. And in that hotel room, I found Calvary's cross. I laid my sins, my burdens down there. The old man died and a new one was born. A new creature in Christ Jesus, praise him, his name. And then God gave me my wife, forgiveness towards me. And today, and our four children are back together again. The peace that passes understanding loosed the taut nerves and muscles that had prevented my normal speech. And God gave me back my voice and eternal life. Matthew eighteen twelve. So what do you think? Jesus asked. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? The simple answer is, yes, he does. And he'll chase you to the ends of the earth if need be. Would you stand, please, with me and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord that you care about the one, that you care about each one of us personally. You know us completely, and you love us. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done to forgive our sins by dying on the cross. And Lord, we pray for anyone here this morning that's not walking with you and ask that you would speak to them right now and give them the grace to surrender their lives. Christians, please pray. So I wonder if there's someone here this morning, maybe you're here for the first time, or maybe you've been here before, but through this service, you've been bothered by the word sin and forgiveness. If you've never surrendered to God, or maybe you have in the past and you've fallen away, this is your opportunity, this moment, right now, to get back with him. I won't do anything to embarrass you, but if you'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, if you'd like to know that you're going to spend eternity with God, if you're ready to repent and give your life to him, would you let me know you are by looking up at me and raising your hand. I won't do anything to embarrass you. God bless you. But I'll just acknowledge it and we'll pray. You, sir, God bless you. Very back, yes. Anyone over here God is speaking to? Yes, sir. Young lady, yes. Here on the aisle, God bless you. Yes, very back. Anyone over here? Yes, God bless you. If I missed your hand, don't worry, God didn't. Those of you that raised your hands, would you please talk to God with us? We'll do it with you to make it easy. We're just going to ask him to forgive our sins, and he's going to hear and do it right where you are. So everybody, please say, Lord Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. Please forgive my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can serve you from this day forward. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.
Those of you that raised your hand, we'd encourage you to go over to these double doors. We're going to do one last song. You may leave if you want to, or you can stay and worship with us. The strength arises, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. The strength arises, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord our God. You reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. You do not faint, you won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak, and you comfort those in need, and you lift us up on the wings like Sing it one last time. You are the everlasting. And you are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. And you do not faint. You won't grow weary. You're the defender of the weak. And you comfort those in us up on the wings like eagles. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious unto you. And may you be so filled with the Holy Spirit that others see the smile on your face and say, what is it that's different about you? God bless you. Give somebody a hug before you go home.